35,000 decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, some are paradigm shifting. How many of those are we making though and we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion? For those of you that have made that ultimate decision to be a follower of Jesus, how many of those 35,000 are you actually thinking through and considering, does this move me closer to him or further away? She Chooses is a place purpose to help women harness our gift of free will by allowing God to open our eyes and give us the courage to make the choice that leads to obedience to his plan. That one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that God's laid out for each of us. Scripture tells us of a choice that a woman made, one that was so good it would not be taken from her. That, my friend, it sounds like it's too good to be true, but I promise it isn't. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me here at She Chooses, where together we're going to work intentionally to make that good choice, the one that's leading us to choose Jesus over and over again. Hey guys, welcome to season two of the She Chooses podcast. I'm Jessica Hartzold and I am excited to get to spend a little bit of time with you guys today. Here we are, we're in season two. I, to be honest, I have no clue what season two looks like, but here's what I know. I'm not sure how often these podcasts are going to be dropped, but I'm going to drop them as the Lord gives me release to share with you. And I don't know what that looks like, but I am excited to see what he allows us to dive into this year and where he's taking us in this process of the choices that he helps us to make as we're working so diligently to draw closer to him. Scripture tells us when we draw nigh unto him that he draws nigh unto us. And I really want to focus in this year and make sure that the choices that we're making, that I'm making, that you're making, that we are doing our best to make sure that those choices are really helping us to draw closer to him because we need him. Ladies, we need him to be close to us. Finding ourselves in times when we too are in places, whether it be work, school, relationships, etc., where God is not part of the culture and serving Him is not customary. And it can cause us to feel as though we are pushing against the very grain of society to serve Him. Hi everyone, I'm Jessica Hartzold and you're listening to the She Chooses podcast. This is a place where we work intentionally to harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us the courage to make the choice that leads to obedience to his plan. We're getting ready to dive in. So I want you to go grab some coffee, get a notebook, or pop in some earbuds while you work. Whatever you have to do, get it done because we're gonna get started. I live in the Midwest, which means we spend time each fall outdoors. My husband and I were preparing our yard for the upcoming winter season. I have this love-hate relationship with this time of year. I love the smell of the air. 
I love the way that the crisp air feels. I love hoodies. I love hot chocolate and especially a warm fire to sit by. But the yard work and the preparation for the winter season that's ahead, I, I don't enjoy it at all. I could do without cutting grass, pulling weeds, raking leaves, all of that stuff. However, it's a task I know that's necessary as my husband and I feel to work hard to take care of the home that God has provided for us. One day, uh, several years ago, I went out doing some work around the house, you know, this mundane task, and I had hedge trimmers in my hand. And there I was, I went to work removing ornamental grasses from our landscape. I can't stand ornamental grasses, but my husband has a love for them, and because I love him, they're there. But I really look forward to this time of year because I actually get to cut them down. So there I was, and I'm cutting down those ornamental grasses, and quickly I'm finding myself in this mindless cut-swipe-move rhythm. As I was doing that, I was taken by surprise as a clump of those grasses, they gave way to this pair of eyes that were staring back at me. <laughs> and one glimpse of those eyes, my trimmers were on the ground, a scream was coming out of my mouth and my legs were running as far away as I could get. That is until I saw my neighbors watching and their eyes stopped me dead in my tracks. I must have looked like a fool. And so as I realized that they were there watching, I sent this forced smile, a laugh and a nervous wave their way. And I had this awareness that I now had an audience. So I decided I was going to muster some courage and carefully make my way back to see what those eyes belonged to. So there I was, and trying to keep a safe distance, I stooped down to that place, and I found that they weren't attached to the poison-possessing body that I was initially certain that they must have been, but instead what I saw was a toad. A harmless, still-sitting-there-lazy-and-calm toad. Guys, what grown adult screams and runs from a toad? Gathering my trimmers, I decided I needed to get back to work. And I laughed at what my neighbors must have thought. You know, this silly girl, she is so strange. Yet, my mind was drawn to something deeper. This is not the only time that I've experienced something in life that has stirred fear inside of me that sent me running only to find in the end that there was really no reason to run. I've walked some fearful paths, and I know undeniably that you have too. Maybe it's something like addiction, it's a relational situation, maybe it's financial, it's spiritual, you know, the list of things goes on and on. And life is full of these moments that really attempt to persuade us into that state of fear. And God knows this. And God is so good and his understanding of us, his creation is so extensive that he gives us pattern after pattern after pattern in his word. And those patterns are purposed to equip us with the ability to overcome this temptation. And they work to provide us the strength that we need in order to stand firm. One of my favorites is the truth that we find in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We read about their life in Daniel chapter 3. As you read it, 
you can almost feel the strength of the spiritual armor that they wore as they stood tall, immovable in the face. I want to give you just a little bit of background. These are the men who walked through the fiery furnace and they emerged unharmed. Often we hear about them as a child in Sunday school class. And when we're hearing about them, we begin to imagine them that they're superhuman and they're undeniably heroic. But a deeper dive and intentional study about their life reveals what they possessed wasn't mythical strength. What they possessed was faith, totally applicable faith that reveals to us God's roll up his sleeves, walk through the fire, love for his people. When we find them, these men are living captive in Babylon. Without intentional study, you know, we can assume they were there just a short, quick while before they found themselves standing in front of that fiery furnace. However, that intentional study I mentioned is going to reveal to us they lived there for a while. And as they lived there, they were slowly submerged into this new culture that was surrounding them. It really reminds me of the way temptation comes to us. Very, very rarely does it ever present itself in a loud, in-your-face manner. Rather, we find it tiptoeing ever so gently, tugging away at what we know is truth by building acceptance and tolerance, you know, craftily attempting to reshape our thoughts to shift them away from the truth we know. And it really works to lull us into living life in that mindless cut, swipe, move motion that I described to you. If you don't believe me, I want you to take a look at media. You know, let's let's look at new TV series that come out today. You'll find it's more often true than not. You know, a new series, it comes out and it starts out super innocent. You fall in love with characters, with storylines, and just after you've invested yourself, they slowly add in things that you wouldn't normally give yourself permission to enjoy. However, now that you're emotionally invested, you start to excuse it, saying, oh, you know, it's, it's just a little bit. I'll just fast forward this, or it's not such a big deal, and so on and so on, and, and there you are. You're starting to move boundaries, and as you're moving those boundaries, you're giving yourself over to temptation that is slowly, so, so, so slowly, but surely changing your views, integrating us into the world's culture that we're surrounded by. It changes our standards bit by bit, you know, line by line. And there we are lulled into that cut, swipe, move motion that we far too often fall prey to. So right now I want to look at that cut, swipe, move motion that tried to take hold of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. First, they were taken from a people that served the one true God, and they were placed into a culture where the one true God was foreign. After that, they were given new names. Then they were taught new customs. And finally, they were shown a new God to serve. This same methodology is used against us today. Yet here we are, we're dropping our tools and running at the smallest glimpse of the unknown. But there they were able to stand immovable in the face of certain death. So what is it? What is it about these men that gave them the ability to stand in the face of this opposition? Was it that superhuman faith that I mentioned? 
Or was it God himself holding them there against their will? Or did God transcend all of heaven and give them new minds in that moment? No, no, he didn't do any of this. What they had is so much the same as what we have available to us today. It was the intentional day in and day out serving of their Lord. It was their obedience to God's word and the faith that they had intentionally worked to build that gave them the ability to respond radically as they stood before that fiery furnace. You guys, they looked fear straight in the eye and said, bring it. They looked fear in the eyes. They saw the army that was standing against them and they didn't drop everything and run. No, guys, they stood in confidence, acknowledging the greater army that stood with them. And they saw God going before them and their confidence was found in him. Even when their lives were at stake, they had the ability to rest on the faith that they'd spent time investing in, the faith that had been built so strong. It's amazing, isn't it? I want a faith like that, don't you? But to get a faith like that, we've got to study what did they do? What all did they endure? And we have to start to see how that carries over and how that applies to our own life. So right now, I want to read Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then and herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all the kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, 
that at what time ye hear the sound of the coronet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the, burn the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see three four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the most high God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire and the princes, governors, and captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power nor was an hair of the head singed, neither was their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they may not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak Anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is one of my favorite records of scripture. The relevance of their experience and its application to our lives is nothing short of awe-inspiring. I want to pretend for just a moment that we're them. Can you imagine what it must have been like to see Nebuchadnezzar? You know, the intensity of his eyes. And to feel the heat from that furnace. The thoughts that must have raced through their minds. They're probably the same that would have been racing through ours. What about my family? You know, God, why, why this? How bad is this going to hurt? God, can you make it not hurt? Is there another way? I, I don't want this. Can you imagine standing where they stood and possessing the ability to be still and declare unwavering faith? 
It's okay if you can't. That's the whole purpose of this study is to reveal to us the strength they possessed and how it's just as available to us as it was for them. And to reveal to to all of us that God's willing to walk through fires with his people and he's just simply waiting to do it with us. So let's talk about these three men. And over the next few episodes, I want to talk about three ways that their lives apply to ours. The first I want to talk about is the importance of a name. Before being taken captive, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were known as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are Hebrew names. Hebrew names were meaningful and they were connected to God. They were connected to a person's faith. The fact that they were replaced by Babylonian names is significant. It was a move by the Babylonians to integrate them into their culture. It was encouragement for them to forget their God that they once served and gain acceptance into this new place of life. But even though their name was changed, we know by their place in scripture that their faith was not changed. It was unchanged. Yes, Babylon called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but the advance wasn't successful in integrating them into that society. These men still knew who they were. They were faithful. They knew their God, and the fact that the world called them something different did not sway them from changing their mind about him. Whether we recognize it or not, we experience the same thing as our own culture attempts to disconnect us from the faith that we possess. When we are imperfect, you know, or when we make a mistake, it quickly jumps to change our name replacing it with liar, hypocrite, depressed, and so on and so forth. In these moments, we can find ourselves tempted to buy in and take that name on by allowing shame to label us these things. But the problem in doing this is that fixating that label on our chest is a move toward ourselves as these things, to attempt to remove the name that we carry. What they call us has no standing It is our confidence in who we are and the name that we carry, the name that has been spoken over us spiritually that matters, the name that we are adopted into through waters of baptism. You know, when Jesus's name is spoken over us to cover every sin, that is what matters, the name that we bear. Galatians chapter three, verse 27 says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 tells us, And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized in Jesus' name and we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we are adopted into the family of Christ, and our family name is changed to Jesus. We take on his name, a name that is unlike any other name. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10 says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. There is power in the name of Jesus and you better believe that every force in hell understands it. The enemy of your soul soul is so well versed in what God has written. He knows him personally and wants nothing more than for this powerful family name to be removed from your life or to keep it at bay from ever being taken on. Thus, he he comes at us through these different persuasions, these different customs, whispering that God's word is no longer relevant, telling us faithfulness is outdated. You know, it's just too difficult. He causes us to feel alone in, in its lack of popularity. 
And with all of these things, he attempts to really shackle us and put us through the exact same gauntlet of fear where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego once stood. His bid is purpose to cause us to forget the God that we serve. His desire is to really get us integrated into the culture of deception in which so many in this world are now dwelling, begging us to forget the name we've taken on and replace it with names of our culture, whether it's adulterous, fornicator, thief, depressed, divorced, all of these different labels, these different names. The second thing I want to talk about over the course of this study is these men were taught new customs. They were transplanted into a culture that was completely different from what they had always known. Their God was not seen as the one true God and living for him was not popular at all. We, we have not been driven from our home, taken to a new place to live, but we are certainly finding ourselves in times when we too are in places, whether it be work, school, relationships, etc., where God is not part of the culture. And serving him is not customary. And it can cause us to feel as though we are pushing against the very grain of society to serve him. At times, it makes it difficult and it makes it very uncomfortable to profess his name and maintain the lifestyle that we are called into. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they show us how it is done and that it is possible to stand firm. The next thing I want us to talk about is how they were shown a new God to follow. The Babylonians showed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego this new God to follow. Although not as apparent as what they experienced, we're shown a new God to follow as well. Ours comes to us discreetly. But even though it's discreet, it is just as powerful as what they experienced. The enemy, he uses various lures of persuasion And they take the form of self-love, money, position, security, fame, possessions, all idols that are begging to be erected in our lives, and they're waiting for us to fall down in worship of. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fought these temptations. And here we are, thousands of years later, experiencing the same. They had a faith that God beckons all of us into. They were threatened with a furnace their eyes could see, with a heat their bodies could feel, yet their faith remained strong, their customs intact, and their God, our God, on his throne. Their faith was bold, their confidence so strong that they stood immovable, proclaiming God's sovereignty without worry of where their response might lead. It gave them the ability to boldly stare a scary situation square in the eyes and proclaim God's strength. The path through their situation looked certain of death. Yet in the heat of it all, God stood firmly beside them and walked them through the fire of their situation, allowing them to emerge unblemished, unharmed, not even smelling of smoke. I imagine even though their experience happened years before the book of Isaiah was written, that their thoughts as they looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and that furnace that they had just walked through were the exact same as we read in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 16, as it refers to the enemy. It says, those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble and who shook kingdoms? They knew at that point that Nebuchadnezzar had no power over them, which is the same thing that Isaiah is telling us that one day we are going to look at that enemy and we're going to be like, 
Are you kidding me? You're the one that we were so terrified of? You're the one that did all of this? And we'll look to our God and we will rejoice and we will see his glory and his might and he will be so immense and majestic. He is still the God who walks through fire with his people today. I wonder today if you're facing something that feels just as scary and looks just as impossible. Perhaps you feel the intensity of eyes of fear. They're staring at you. Maybe you feel the discomfort of a heated situation. Maybe you're battling feelings of loneliness. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you don't see a way out. If that's where you are, I encourage you to to read or listen to Daniel chapter 3 again. Join me over the next few episodes as we finish diving through this lesson and understand that this placement in scripture, Daniel chapter 3, that's purposed for you. And join me here as we look and we start to apply the lives of these three men to our own, as we start to dig together and allow God's light in their experience to shine into our own. It's purpose to give light to this hopeless situation we find ourselves in. It's purpose to reveal to us the path out by building our faith in the one who has promised not to allow any temptation to come to us that is more than we can bear. Be encouraged by the faith of these three Hebrew men. And remember that the same God they served, the one that walked them through the flames, he's the same God we serve today. And his desire is to grab you by the hand, pull you through your situation just the same. But it begins with a decision to make. A decision Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made as they looked hell straight in the eye and declared their allegiance to the one true God. They made their mind up, And I'm asking you to make your mind up to date. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I hope you found today's content uplifting. And I hope you'll take time and think about what we talked about. And take it even further. Pray over everything that we discussed. That God will help you see the choice that's in front of you. And also grant you the courage to make that choice. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, I encourage you to subscribe to the show through whatever platform you choose to listen on. And leave a review. When you leave a review, it helps to boost the show and search results of others. And don't keep it to yourself. Take some time and share. If today's episode spoke to you, I encourage you to snag a screenshot and share it to your story or your newsfeed. Help me get the word out. Be sure to tag me on Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me by searching JD Hartsey. And on Facebook, you can follow me by liking the She Chooses-JD Hearts page. Sharing is so important. Too many of us are spinning our wheels trying to go it alone when God never designed us to live that way. My hope is that he can use this podcast to help shine a light into those dark moments of struggle, letting us know we're not alone and to help us see the choices in front of us and also the hope that always exists in him. So until next time, ladies, let's continue to be the she's that choose Jesus.